come with us now, if you dare, down a rickety staircase into a dank, dark basement. What awaits the Saturday Night Freak Show? <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night Freak Show podcast, where a movie talk show podcast comes your way every Saturday, whether you're ready for it or not. In our quest for total world domination, you can help us out with it by going over to wherever you found us and hitting that like or subscribe button. All of that stuff helps us get found by other freaky people like you. Ooh, We're into the freaky. same oh, freaky oh. stuff. It's that kind of night. Nice. I think it is that kind of night. <laughs> it seems like that kind of night. Nice. Gentlemen, shall we? <laughs> oh, oh. All right, so uh, tonight, oh, first of all, we should introduce ourselves. These are the people who are talking to you, the internet radio superstar. Sean. Holly. And I'm Colin. And tonight we watched a movie that was chosen by... Colin. Colin, what sexiness did we watch tonight? Sexiness. Sexiness. Yeah, that's right. This, the, what sexy adult movie, and I say that as, like, something made for adults. Like, a mature A mature viewing. movie. Yeah. Like, you're not taking yeah, the kids for right. this movie. Right. What do you watch tonight? Hide your kids hide from kids, this hide episode. Your, maybe hide your wives. I don't know. I mean, if we're... Hide your daughters. Movie, <laughs> yeah. Hide your Nancy Allens. There you go. Uh, we watched a movie called Dress to Kill. Oh, from the year. 1980. Directed by... Brian De Palma. Ah, and starring? Uh, Angie Dickinson. A panoply of actors. Angie Dickinson, Michael Caine. That's how you went with first? I don't think she's first billed. I think uh, Michael, Michael Caine, Caine is yeah. first. Yeah. Okay. Michael Caine, Angie Dickinson, Nancy Allen. Uh, uh, how long was that? That was a minute 26 on our Instagram. I put any guesses on how long it would take Sean to do a Michael Caine impression. For <laughs> <laughs> the record, it was a minute 26. I just said his name. Maybe I affected an excellent accent, but I just said his name. He did. Bam, he nailed it. All right. Thanks. So I think this There's is. There's more Dennis Franz coming. That's the one I'm going there for. We go. yeah, yeah, waiting for Dennis Franz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey, fuck you. It was, it was an unexpected one. I was I was thinking this whole thing was going to be Michael Caine impressions, but no. Out of left field. We're going to get some Franz. NYPD blue. Who are you fucking? Yeah, it's a, so it's a Brian De Palma movie. We did, I think, one other Brian De Palma I was movie. Say, no, what two. have we done? This is the third. We put him on the wall with oh, this. Nice. Uh, thanks to MF Mad, the keeper of the Saturday Night Freak Show Wall of Fame, has cool. identified yeah. Brian De Palma because we watched uh, Body Double, Body Double and Phantom of the Paradise. I was not here for other. Neither was I. Oh man! I know. You guys are missing out. <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. See, this is what happens if you wait long enough to bring a director's movies back to the Saturday Night Freak Show. You it's like a, brand new, right? Fresh for <laughs> Okay. Exactly. Um, all right. What other De Palma movies do people know? Uh, probably Mission Impossible. Yeah, Mission Impossible <laughs> be like or uh, the Untouchables. Sure. Oh yeah, the Untouchables. Um, but I mean, like my preference is the sisters. stuff from yes. Well, Sisters, right? Um, uh, nobody remembers Obsession, uh, Dress to Kill, Blowout with uh, John Blowout. Travolta, uh, Body Double, and uh, then I think uh, nobody remembers the Bonfire of the Vanities, do they? I yeah, heard it before, but I think I, it's because I you was like, I've it. only heard about it from you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a huge <laughs> bomb and a uh, critical, got a drubbing. What the is even that about? What is even? Uh, jur- what is journalism. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound. <laughs> Sounds like there's a lot and more Washington to it. Okay. Like that, yeah. okay. Journalism. Say the title again. The Bonfire of the Vanities. Journalism. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Casualties of War was a movie that put uh, Michael J. Fox in Vietnam. Um, I mean, he's been doing stuff like... Okay, so that was basically a thing. Brian De Palma, um, in the beginning, uh, Phantom of the Paradise... Oh, Carrie, of 
backwards. Can't no, obviously. Care. Jesus. Uh, this is what I was waiting for. I was like, are we even going to talk about it? Is that too mainstream for you, Alan? Like, <laughs> we get into it sometimes. And we're just like, what else did they do? Oh, Jurassic Park. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Silver and Pooh? What? Yeah. Well, he, had his, uh, yeah. he had a um, horse. I guess he was known as being like a thriller director. Yeah. And then he moved out of thrillers and into comedies and war films and Mission to Mars. He did Mission to Mars, oh. right? And then I think later year, or later career, he moved back into thrillers. Um, Femme Fatale with Antonio Banderas was one right. of his uh, passion, which I don't think a lot of people saw with uh, Rachel McAdams. And Anumi Rapace was a recent one. Um, so he's still working. Domino, I think, was his last one with Nicholas uh, Nikolai Koster Waldau. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's still doing movies, but now they're like you know basically foreign funded and, and don't get a whole lot of play. But oh, he did the Black Dahlia. Yeah, the Black Dahlia. Yeah, so that movie was such I a disappointment. Hate, I hate. I don't. It was. It, it was, was such a disappointment. He had like a kind of a hit and miss kind of track record, but yeah. back in this era. It's like Brian De Palma was basically, well, I don't know. I mean, it was controversial, I guess, because what I remember is that um, the main criticism of him was that he was ripping off Alfred Hitchcock. Mm. Uh, I mean, like, seriously, like, that was all the criticism was like everything that Brian De Palma does, Alfred Hitchcock basically invented. He invented the language and Brian De Palma just copied. Um, Is this true or false? You just watched this movie. I mean, I can see the influence, but I I wouldn't say, like, a copycat. Like, no. yeah, everyone's kind of taking bits and pieces. You take bits and pieces of whatever your experience is yeah. and, you know, who you play. I mean, I got, more, I got more shallow than... Yeah, definitely fact. more... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, obviously, uh, because, um, you know, when we say shallow, that's the Italian uh, thrillers that uh, Dario Argento is generally known for, but he was known in Italy as... The Italian Hitchcock. The Italian right. Hitchcock. I, yeah, so. I, I understand that. I mean, if, 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 I mean, you could sit here and say, like, well, everybody's in Hitchcock. Well, it comes from Hitchcock. Well, sure, but it's, you're it's, using it Yeah, it's the in same argument. That, it's the same argument that every modern author is influenced by Mark Twain. You know, like, you can trace it back to somebody sure. always. Yeah. You yeah. Know? He's like, like the guy who invented the language of, of cinematic suspense, Alfred right. Hitchcock. Right. right. So... I mean, there's more, I guess, that, that we're probably going to get into as we uh, talk about this movie and some of the other movies in Palm's career. But, um, yeah, I mean, he made these, um, you know, they were, uh, I don't know if you want to, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> we said that this was a, a uh, an adult movie. Is this a sleaze? <laughs> Did he bring, like, a layer of sleaze? It's an erotic movie. Yes, but I didn't, I didn't feel sleazy about it. And we've watched some sleeves. Yeah, opening scene, I wondered where it was going, because our very first scene is, like, masturbating in a shower, and then great slash murder, like, not sure what's happening. But I was like, okay, I'm not sure where this movie's going. And we're talking about, like, even that scene, so that scene is shocking. I think if you watch it, it now, yeah. oh, yeah. you probably it's, if you it's saw it then. Alarming. The version that we watched is the one that's uh, widely available on video. This is the European cut. Okay. okay. The yeah, one that that, sh- that showed in America obviously was shorter. It was minus uh, certain uh, shots and angles. I can figure that out which like, Holy cow! We're, like we're doing close-ups of uh, uh, Bush. Yeah, Jen yeah, Bush. yeah, yeah. That's a little bit like close-ups. Yes. I mean, like you don't see this yeah. in any kind of. So th- I was like, like, why would you even think that this was a thing that you could do in the eighties? And I just have to like. You know, I mean, obviously, you had like the whole free love generation of the 70s was kind of dying out. 
but there was this kind of, and the whole movie looks like this. It looks like centerfold photography from yeah. like a Playboy magazine. Like yeah, the whole movie kind of. There is a grittiness to it. I wonder why Playboy recommended this movie. Gritty or like a, it's like a gauzy, all the lights diffused, and it kind of has that like perfume commercial kind of, yeah. you know, like. You know, it's like there's a softness to it. Yes, there it's is a softness. The 70s key party softness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the music's very delicate. It's by Pino DiNaggio, who, you know. Pino. Pino. Pino DiNaggio. Pino. Pino DiNaggio did work with Dario Argento yeah, on uh, the movie Trauma. So, you know, eventually they were. But he, what an ancestors <laughs> community. <laughs> well, because there's a scene, I think, when we were talking about uh, uh, Dario Argento's uh, Tenebrae. Were you guys here for that? Yeah. Yes. There's. There's a scene in that where um, uh, there's a character in the foreground. They bend over, and the uh, the killer is standing right behind. It's a shock reveal, right? You know, like right. And that scene is in Tenebrae, which I believe was um, I think that was eighty one, eighty two. And in De Palma's Raising Cain, he has that exact same shot. And it's like, okay, did he come up on this with on his own? They steal it from Dario Argento. You know, it's like these guys are in such the same headspace. Right. Of, you know, the, the Hitchcock influence, they, it's possible that they both independently came up with this exact same shot. Sure. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> definitely oh, yeah. possible. Because when you're trying to figure out ways, when you're trying to figure out ways to do this stuff, you're working in similar areas, you kind of, I mean, you think along the same lines. It's possible. Right. So, yeah, oh, yeah, definitely always possible. Yeah. And he has... Um, I guess there's uh, the other thing. I mean, De Palma. There was a movie made about him recently, a documentary. Uh, Noah Baumbach uh, interviewed him oh, for yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that he always kind of because De Palma is like uh, one of the the group of filmmakers that included like George Lucas and uh, Martin Scorsese, and they were like the first like film school filmmakers, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Coppola and you know Spielberg and you know right. all these guys. The, the right. group. What's the fucking group's name? I yeah, forget <laughs> it. Every uh, I know. Zoetrope. Zoetrope. Yeah, there it is. Well, I don't think they were all. Well, not, not, not all of them were Zoetrope, but they but were they all were the group. Right, but then they yeah. all came up during that time. I mean, yeah. there was um, was Brian De Palma. Did he go to, like New York Film School or something? Like, I think he was U.S. Or was he U.S. Yeah, but it feels like he's very New York. But it feels I think like it. Yeah, because but that, that may would just have been be his movie with Martin Scorsese. But I mean, I remember you know the, the casting session for Carrie and Star Wars overlapped, right? When actors would go uh, in for one, they were basically auditioning for for both. What a fucking world! Yeah, can you imagine that waiting room? <laughs> one side's the door to Star Wars, the other was the door to the door to Carrie. Can you imagine who's sitting in that fucking? I want to be in that room. That's yeah. a good room. And they're all like, you know, telling this is the movie that I'm working on right, right. now. I'm like, what do you think about this? Well, can you imagine Harrison Ford? And she's like, what are you working on? Fucking space movie. <laughs> Little would he know. Yeah. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, okay, so Dress to Kill. Um, uh, there was a, a movie, uh, I think it was on our Species episode. We were talking about, like, uh, basically now they don't make movies for adults. Yes. Right. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, I got well, one. Colin, Colin's got one. <laughs> Colin like a mainstream. Yeah. It's a Colin. Yeah. Well, I mean... Uh, you know, when we say it's a movie for adults, I mean, obviously there's the expectation, I think, that you just kind of have a, like, a quote-unquote adult movie is going to have lots of uh, nudity right. and sex in it. But to me, it's like, and I don't know if you agree with this, there's like sex is used as a psychological motivation, like, you know, uh, for people's behavior. Like, right, yeah, lot, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is what is driving them in this movie. Yeah. And that's like 
absent, uh, for the most part, from modern-day films. Like, we won't go anywhere near it anymore, which is right. weird. <laughs> yeah, people are weird about it. Yeah. I mean, we're all, we've all got our weirdness about it, but I think that's America's. Obviously, this is the European cut. The European cut. Yeah. And now he's getting funded by, uh, by Europe. Right. Um, okay, so um, this movie... Um, Stars Angie Dickinson at the at the very beginning of this, and we see her yes. in this uh, shocking opening, uh, extremely revealing um, shower scene. Um, there's two things about this. One of them, I guess, we'll come back to. But uh, the second thing is the, the shower scene sequence and shooting it was what inspired Body Double mm-hmm. uh, because okay. of like, and so in Body Double, he actually shows kind of at the end of that movie like how they. <laughs> How you shoot a movie with you know, like your star and then your your below the neckline body double. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> so I don't think that was actually Angie uh, Dickinson. She's taking some risks if it was. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Because I mean, obviously she was known as uh, you know not only being a consummate actor but like unafraid of you know her body. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in a movie that you should probably check out, which was Big Bad Mama, the Roger Corman. Produced movie where she's like a, a, a 30s gangster. Uh, you know, she's like the wife, I think, of a, or a girlfriend of a gangster. But William Shatner and Tom Skerritt, uh, she screws them both. I mean, you got to see this movie. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> um, and she was obviously on the, we were talking about the, the TV show Police Woman, which I think is where she got kind of really famous. Um, obviously, she was in uh, Rio Bravo, we were talking right, about. Right, right. Dial for Murder. Yeah, was she dialing for murder? She's in dialing for murder? I thought that was Grace Kelly. She's also in the movie. Okay, well, I don't remember. I don't know if it's Grace Kelly. Well, I... I could be wrong on that also. Anyway, uh, so there you go. Maybe she wasn't. So, um, anyway, so she uh, is the star... Basically set up as the star of this movie. And um, she has... um, Well, I guess, like... She has a a sexual issue going on in her marriage. (laughs) Yes. And for that, she is seeing a psychiatrist, right. which is so, played by Michael King. So this opening, I'm kind of confused by this opening scene. Is this her fantasy, or is this someone else's fantasy? Oh, that's a good question. That yeah. is a good question. Because we go from that <laughs> right, right yeah. sex. Ooh. Right. Well, I'm going to say hers, just because we're with her. But later, like by the end of the movie, I'm wondering if it's someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. You know. Gosh, gosh, gosh. And we just happened to. Well, I mean, hey, the power of editing. Yeah. And, that, right. and then we just switch over to that. Good point. Right. Good I point. I think it's hers only because this is, I guess, my case. I think that she is sexually frustrated. We know this because of things that she tells to the uh, psychiatrist, and maybe yeah. this is some kind of you know because she's like looking at her husband, and her husband right. is distant and not. Uh, it, you know, doesn't see her. her even though she's in the shower because right. it's all foggy and all. And then there's yes. a guy in the shower, you know, and she he ends up raping her, I guess, in the shower. And then she wakes up, or no, we don't even see her wake up from this. Uh, it just she goes to sex She's having right. sex, or her husband is having sex with her. Let's which, put it that way. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is why, like, I don't know if we want to get into it now, but by the end of this movie, we're going to find out, like, the other character who's having, like, a mental battle. Is this his fantasy? Is this his own mental battle with you? Right. Mm-hmm. I think there's. A, I think you <laughs> yeah. could make a case for it, but yeah. I. But I think the way, like what okay, we discussed, is her. Yeah. If you can put a pin the in distance. there, we're gonna have to yeah. double back. Okay, I think we might have to come back yeah. to that later, but okay. I just want to put that out there. That is a good. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but uh, it's... Colin's like, I've been watching this movie for 30 years. I know, yeah, I never did actually, that never did occur to me. Well, I just here, assumed Colin. it was like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then, uh, so she's basically, like, denied an orgasm in that scene. Yeah. That leads and she, her and to the... Gets, uh, a nice little pat on the face. And yeah, and after he finishes up... He, like, good games her, but, like, <laughs> on her face. It would have been... <laughs> I would have la- I laughed, but I would have laughed harder if, like, you know, when you got to push off to get on the bed, like, like pushes off her face, like, oh, thanks, honey, and then gets <laughs> <laughs> It was just so, like... It was so demoralizing. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's like, yeah. I got what I needed. Bye, bitch. Like, that's how it felt. It yeah. was, it's like, hey, you oh, did good. And then there's that, good. like, uh, making a comment on, like, the uh, the over-familiarity of uh, married sex. long-term, married, long-term you know, sex. Yeah. relationships or whatever. Oh, sure. Um, she goes to, well, I, I guess we're also introduced to her uh, son. Uh, who's played by um, uh, Keith Gordon? He's um, mm-hmm. you've seen him before. He was in uh, Carrie, uh, or not Carrie? He was sorry, Christine. Jaws he two. was in Jaws Two. Back to school with the Brownie Danger Guild. He was uh, one of my favorites. <laughs> then he became a director, and uh, you know, obviously, we like the show Dexter on there. He's done uh, uh, Dexter yeah. episodes. Yeah. Um, still working as a director. Uh, so he's her son, but like, uh, what about him? Uh, what, what's his character? It's Peter Parker. Circuit he's... science. <laughs> <laughs> That's blinking light science. Yeah, I it think. is. It is yeah. literally blinking light science. He's, yeah. It's like he's creating blinking light science at this point. Right. Like this is the origin of it in my head. He's yeah. Like this is it. He's creating like a computer, like a. He created a circuit that will yeah. carry more information than has carried before. He created One a big zero. old flash drive. <laughs> twenty twenty digit. Numbers, it's yeah. like that. Uh, it'll it carry sound. and hold it. And, yes. Yeah. So he's a tinkerer. So this becomes important later on in the movie, obviously, as they're setting him up. But right. basically, she kisses him goodbye, goes to see her shrink, uh, Michael King, and relays this like this is the problem that she's having with her relationship uh, with her husband that she doesn't kind of feel. Um, you know, fulfilled, I guess. Well, she actually says that he's bad in bed. Yeah, they right. get pretty down to the nitty-gritty in this, which is also what makes this an adult movie. Like, it's right. an adult therapy conversation really about is. life and sex and the people you're with and stuff like that. I actually really appreciate that. It was, yeah, <laughs> it's just like, these are these are good questions. Like, these are these valid are... issues that people, like, regular people deal with. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she gets into the conversation with Michael Kim. She's like, well, do you find me attractive? Why would you sleep with like they're and just like, asking and questions. Like to be honest, like I wasn't put off by her question, like her conversation with him. You know, I wasn't thinking like, oh, you shouldn't ask your shouldn't. In my no. mind, I was like, I would, I would have those questions. No, these are the things I would you have been like, what's wrong with me? Do you find me attractive? Like, do you find me attractive? Right. Like, help me out here. Like, I, I appreciated the realness of this conversation. Yes. Well, what did you think of his responses then? Because I guess that's the thing. Unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was in that initial uh, session. Because basically, I mean, I think that's, uh, well, because we have the uh, hindsight of looking back after the movie's over, looking at his questions. But I also don't think, I think up to a certain point, that's an honest conversation between people. Like, it's also hypotheticals in this movie. Yeah, I joke about it, but I don't think it was that bad, because he still brought it back to, like, a clinical analysis. This time he brought it back to the clinical analysis. Because I guess that's the thing, if your patient says, like, would you sleep with me? You know, his answer is basically, you know, it's like, yes. But he thought about it. 
Yeah. I, you know, love my wife, and, yeah. you know, it's like there's moral, ethical reasons why. He's like, why as a man who is attracted to you, obviously, if given the opportunity in a different situation, I would. But I am married. I'm happily married. I'm your doctor, so no. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I get it. I'm good with it. Yeah. So, this leads us to the first of the big... Well, I suppose this is, like, the centerpiece sequence of the movie. Uh, this is the art gallery sequence. Which, that was a long... Sequence of no talking. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh, a, yeah. But it was like, there was tension. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, lots of tension. Yeah, because it's, ch- it's a chase. For, I mean, this and, is... This for is, both ways. This is in the Met, right? This is in New York. This is the Met. It looked like the Met Steps. So look, they assume. looked like the Met inside. Yeah. The Met the, 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 it looked stuff. like the Met Steps. That's what I was going off of. We'll go with it until some. But she's just something. like... There's a long scene of wandering through and the different areas of this gallery. It is. You get, I think you get so much, and like I said, no words said, but there's so much said yes. in this part, which is great. So much said without any words. Yeah, because no. there's yeah. like, there's, there's twists of, you can read her emotion like so clearly, like yes. scene to scene. This is, I think like, this is great fucking acting. You yes. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's great direction and great acting because we can tell I mean, even at the beginning, just where she's sitting there, she comes in, she sits down, she's watching, and she's looking at the paintings. And she's remembering, like, oh, i got to bring the turkey and get the, yeah. whatever the grocery she's list. She's, like, staring at paintings and also making her grocery list. Right. Yeah, nuts. <laughs> Need nuts. Uh, <laughs> she's also watching other, she's people watching. She's yeah. watching other people and the other lives around. They are, they have become part of the artwork for her. I, this is how I see it. Like, yeah. she's, she's finding she's, as much interest in them as she is the paintings yeah. around her. She's observing yes. art. Imitating life, life imitating art. Yeah. 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 And there's a little bit of like, you know, because she sees the two young lovers, you know, it's like, right. so this is something that she can't, she doesn't have, you know, it's already she had years ago. Sure. You know, and she's kind of watching them. There's also the parents who lose the kid or whatever. Yeah. The kid wanders off. Uh, Dude wanders in and who tries to hit on a woman who's staring at a painting. Like, yeah. Right, yeah. First time here? Yeah, yeah, but she and you can like almost tell how she feels about yeah. all yeah. Of these things as it's happening. Yeah. And you can tell what she thinks of the the pictures. The one of the, the ape. I'm sorry, I don't know what the uh, the, yeah. the title of that one is. Sexy ape. It's got to be the sexy it was, ape. It was a gorilla doing the Jeff Goldblum recipe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was a gorilla doing the Burt Reynolds. There it is. On the bear That's, what it is. That's what that That's was. That's what it is. That's what I got from yeah. it. I don't know about you guys. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's just, it's it's just cool. It's cool to when it cuts back to her. You know, like you yeah. have your reaction when you yeah. see it. You're like, oh, and then you cut back to her, and she's like, oh, oh, no, like, I need nuts. And then it cuts back to her again, so she can like she keeps looking at it, and then like has to, you know, just the shift in body language yeah. is like she's, you can read like she's like, no, I'm going back to the water. The, the woman watching yeah. it. She's like, I feel like she's like, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm uncomfortable because there's a primal part of me that needs to come out right now, and that's and it's calling out to me right now. Maybe. And that's maybe. what she's feeling, yeah. And then, after here, that, after she watches <laughs> that, or looks at that photo, a man comes in yep. and sits down next to her. Like yes. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy... Uh, you know, it's like, is it, I mean, just in the dynamic there where she's like trying to, is she trying to get his attention? See, that's oh, the yeah. thing. She's, she's so torn because she wants him to notice her and she wants him to flirt with her. But then at the same time, she's like, I'm married. So she goes back and forth between like, why aren't you looking at me? And then, oh, he kind of looked at me. I should show my ring to show him I'm married. But I kind of still want him to look at me. Like she, you can see the battle in her going. Oh yeah, forth. because when she takes the glove off, I'm like, wait, I, I got. She wants him to notice, but she you got wants, your ring on. She wants gonna, both. 
She wants both. She's fighting. Yeah. Yeah. She is. <laughs> this whole movie's about eternal battle. This whole movie. <laughs> Yeah. It is. Yeah. She, the guy, takes off after seeing the ring, supposedly. I don't know if we get confirmation of that, but she shows the ring, he leaves, so then she feels dejected, mm-hmm. you know? Right. It's like, what? You know? So she goes after him, she drops her glove, unbeknownst to her at this point, and then goes after trying to find the guy, and she passes him, and we get, like, this is this long... Uh, it's a you long know. scene. Yeah, it's like 15 minutes of this movie that is told in, I guess, what you would call... Pure cinema, right? You are telling a story without... You don't need dialogue. Just through the pictures and the movement of the camera and the acting alone. Pilot film. Yeah, almost. <laughs> yeah, accompanied by this, you know, right. uh, this score. Um, she loses the guy. The guy reacquires her. He chases her for a little bit. She, we say chase. It's just slow, uh, highlighted or pinpointed by her heels that we hear of her walking. Her right. But it's, it is... It's, uh, when we say chase, it is a... They're walk. It's back and forth through this area in the Met where you turn corners and there's other paintings and other people. But somebody could disappear behind it really quick and everything. So people are like disappearing and then coming across and sides, which mm-hmm. it's a theme that happens more later in the movie. Right? Mm-hmm. But this is we're starting off here using pretension, right? In this, and I wonder if that's why the scene is so satisfying to me because one of my weird things in life is I love the foley of shoes. Like, I oh, love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I love the sound of shoes in movies. There's a really it's like my favorite thing. great scene in Brick that is solely, like, concentrates on, like, heavy footsteps. And it's, really, it's, mm-hmm. it's really great. Oh, and oh. Point Blank, Point Blank with Angie Dickinson. Yeah, it's Lee Marvin. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> for, like, I yes, I yeah. remember that. It's in the trailers, yeah, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like, just the sound of his footsteps as he's walking. <laughs> like, that's a man who's going somewhere. Um, Lee Marvin's always going. Well, I guess I guess we shouldn't dwell on the scene too long, but it's like I mean, they a did, but it's, they did. We don't need to. Like, I think it's worthy of it. Yeah, yeah. and um, switching, you know, like because she wants him, she doesn't want. She's like offended by him. She's excited right. by him, yeah. and then right. she hates. And she kind of hates herself she's for being excited so by him. Yeah, very torn. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, at the end, she loses him. And he has her glove. He picks up her glove and toys with her. And a he does, bit with and that. he p- puts it on, and it's like, like I get the joke. He's like, "Hey, found, excuse me, ma'am, found your glove," which totally like goes she past just, her. Like, runs away. She does. Yeah, it's like because I don't want you, but I don't want you. Yeah, like, it's the shock. It is. Yeah, like it he is breached her bubble. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it there is. was a moment there. Yeah, like, there is. Oh. There is a difference between having that desire and it actually coming to fruition. Right. So mm. the actual touch is jarring. To yeah. Yeah. yeah, and she does, I think, like, come back around, like, okay, I do want to talk to the guy, and then she can't find him, and right. then she's trying to track him down, and she loses him, and then we go to outside of the Met, where he's dangling the uh, glove out of a right. taxi cab But this one, she's, she just throws her other glove on the ground. Like, Rich people. Doing? I know. She's like, well, what am I going to do with this other glove? Again. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point... Here, is there a poor person around? Take my fucking glove. <laughs> we do see... Someone else picks up the glove. And if you watch closely during the scene, I don't know if I should tell you this, this is maybe a spoiler, but you see a primary character in the scene, like, up close, right in your face as the camera goes by. That character is looking for at what, what she's looking at, turns the head, I mean, in the camera move does this, what's looking at the glove over there. I mean, it's like, oh. you, I don't know if you see it the first time, I, I didn't, but like no. right in front of you. No, I did I not miss that. that. No, yeah. It's one of those things, you know, like you ever seen that video of the, whatever, the uh, the, the 
two teams that are passing the, the tennis balls or whatever back and forth, and then, like, a gorilla comes in, and nobody remembers seeing the gorilla. <laughs> right, right, It's right. like that. <laughs> right. But I suppose you also don't know what you're looking for at this point. You're focused on the background action. Right. And you're like, there's characters moving in front of the camera or whatever, but this one is, like, significant <laughs> later wow. on. Um, so, anyway, she gets in the, the taxi cab... Um, with this guy and has like this crazy intense uh, sexual experience with him in the back of a New York cab. Um, oh God! Like, I forgot it was a New York cab. Who knows yeah. what that fucking thing? Ah! Oh, oh, like, like homegirl is making noises before anything even happens. Yeah, she <laughs> is. She well, is into some it. Pent up uh, yeah, release right there. And then she accompanies him back to her. Or she, we we cut to yeah. She we do yeah. see her going into. Uh, his apartment. I like the way that the Paula shoots that scene because she's like her attention is looking around at all the people uh, who are unloading stuff and just around because right. I think it's like that's guilt, you know, or something. Like is anybody, anybody seen me do that? Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. Guilt, and I also think it's. Do you ever have those surreal moments where you're just like you're you're kind of like outside of your body where you're like this is actually happening to me, but the world is still happening around. Me. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it felt like to me. Yeah. You know, Does anybody else see this? Like, it's like you're taking leave of your senses, yeah. and you're like you're just going with it, right? And so then we cut to some time later uh, in the evening, and she awakens in the bed, and she's like, "Okay, I'm going to get all my shit together, sneak out of the bed." And she's like, "I'll write this guy a nice note," and uh, she goes into his drawer. This is shot great as well because this is like we wake up on the bed, and then we because it leads to a hallway, and so we're just we slowly pull out. It's great movements in his camera because yeah. it's pulling back, and she's. She's collecting everything. She's getting dressed. It pushes in, pulls out, pushes in, and this is all. They don't. This is a lot. They don't cut much in this, do they? This is all one thing, and yeah. until she sits down and starts going through stuff. Yeah, like in, that's beautiful too. In his interviews, this is the thing that De Palma has always. You know, I mean, I, I kind of agree with him. He bemoans the lack of, uh, of the, I don't know, the death of cinema. But he says basically, whenever you talk to filmmakers. And they like, how do you shoot a scene? They go immediately to like, well, you got to get coverage of the scene. He's like, I hate that word. I don't even know what the hell it is. It's like coverage is like a default place to put a camera to get like reaction. He's like, but you're not actually thinking about how to see the scene, you know? And when you watch his stuff, it's like he never just cuts directly between, you know, two people talking in a, you know, usual, uh, you know, over the shoulder manner. (laughs) You know, it's always like the camera's in some you know, specific position or doing something. There was a scene with the uh, in that apartment. The scene you're talking about, where uh, where she's getting stuff together at the desk. There's a phone on the desk. I didn't notice it to be honest with you until like the way he that he he kept moving in made the phone the center piece. It of made the it shot. alive because I'm, I'm like <laughs> it's gonna ring. Something's gonna yeah because yeah. it, it he's it's so good at putting taking that tension and he puts it in an object. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he put it in that phone, and so you're waiting on him, like, all right, what's going to happen with the phone if she's doing this? Because it's such a quiet and dialogue-free scene. He's like, all right, is something's got to break this up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, what, is what I was thinking in my head, and then he goes into the phone. You're like, is that going to do? But it didn't ring. Didn't I was ring. surprised. Yeah. She makes a call. She tries to call her husband. I guess I'm like, mm-hmm. what the hell is she going to say? She hangs up on him, and then she writes this note. You know, thanks for the great afternoon. And in his desk drawer, <laughs> this the movie not all of a sudden coming. takes a turn. Yes. <laughs> First twist. <laughs> Holly, what happened? Well, some light reading in his desk drawer. Mm. Um, a lab results from his STD panel mm. confirming he has 
a venereal disease. I like the way that it's got an exclamation mark. You have a venereal disease. It's the like, camera focuses on that. It's like, please call our office immediately. Yeah, emergency. Danger, danger. So it turns out that, uh, I mean, like, obviously her afternoon of indiscretion has now possibly put her in a position where she's contact or contracted this disease. So then she flees to the elevator uh, to leave, and then she realizes something else. She forgot her wedding ring back in his apartment. It's a nice <laughs> ring. Nice, big it's a ring. Nice <laughs> ring. Big old rock. And it's like, what the hell? I mean, this just keeps getting worse, right? It's the compounding of, like, the, uh, oh, and the kid, who, uh, the little girl who comes in. Oh, uh, yeah. The the stairs stairs at her. She's like, you did yeah. something wrong. Because just look at Angie Dickinson's face. It's like she's, like, being stared at by this little girl. Yeah, it's like she, she almost knows. comes to tears. Yeah, yeah she's staring up <laughs> at that. The innocence of the kid. So she's like, okay, fine, I'll go back up to the apartment because I have to, you know, I guess, you know, talk to this guy and <laughs> get this ring back. Mm-hmm. And she opens the, the doors to the elevator. And what happens? <laughs> she's attacked. She's attacked. By? By a blonde. In a trench coat. In a black trench coat with sunglasses. The black gloved killer. There. Yes. And, and a go. stray and razor. A big old stray <laughs> razor. This is, yeah, this is a big shiny. one. shiny. Yeah, big and shiny. You say it's a black glove killer because yeah. this is a uh, you know a, 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 an archetype that's uh, made famous by the the Italians in their Jalo movies. Right. It's like that's why this kind of it feels like this is the American version of the Jalo. Yes, you do have black trench coats. You got the black glove killers. You have man dressing women. You have uh, like psychosexual mm-hmm. um, you know motivations. You have a, a certain layer of sleaze. You have police involvement. We're generally ineffective and. You know, the, 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 the protagonist that has to become their own detective yes. and all this stuff. Um, I, I don't know if that's intentional that. or not. I don't know if he was seeing those Italian movies and was inspired. I mean, we're saying they're all inspired by Hitchcock, so uh, there you go. But anyway, Slash to Ribbons. That one hurts because the first attack like, or the, yeah. you know, catches her in the palm of her hand as she mm-hmm. tries to defend herself. Like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Yeah. terrible. And she's slashed to death. And, of course, she's wearing all white Yes, yeah. Yeah, wearing all white, she's blonde, so the red really pops, and she's yeah. getting in, in the neck and sides. And it's brutal. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Like, that is not a nice tech. Not good. No? <laughs> okay, I think at this point, I should lower the spoiler spoiler warning thing. Because I think yeah, in order to talk about this hammer. movie, we're going to have to, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, so no, <laughs> yeah, our listeners should know by now, but yes, we're going to spoil yes. the hell out of this movie. Yeah, so if you haven't seen this movie and we've intrigued you so far, this now would be the, the time, time to, to stop and go watch <laughs> it. And then it was a it. video game. Hold on. <laughs> yep. Okay. Different movie, sorry. So three and two and one. Okay, so uh, I guess, you know, and this maybe not... Uh, uh, um, so the abrupt exit of uh, Angie Dickinson mm-hmm. from the movie at this point uh, mirrors a Alfred Hitchcock, famous Alfred Hitchcock movie. Um, do you think that this movie has uh, a, a huge debt to Psycho? <laughs> Is this Brian De Palma's Psycho? <laughs> well, <laughs> it starts in a shower. Oh, so okay. we've got a we've got a prominent shower scene. We she dies early on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the big star is ejected or killed like twenty minutes in. There is a scene at the end of this movie where a psychiatrist is explaining the motivation of the... I mean, it's like right... It's yeah. like, that is the, a uh, scene from Psycho. Oh, it's yeah. like the, uh... The trans... The, the trans situation. Yeah, it's... Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. the problem yeah. did this, right? Like, this was his thing, and I guess this is why there was such criticism about, like, his methods, uh, his films, because Obsession with John Lithgow, Lithgow and uh, Geraldine Bujold was basically a paraphrase of Vertigo. This is his psycho. Uh, yeah. Body double is his it. rear window. You know, it's like, wow. I mean, blow out is uh, blow up. But I don't, you know, he only takes a little piece of it and kind of changes it. But, uh, you know. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I see where, yeah. So, because you then are going to have an investigation that takes place uh, with the surviving, you know, usually in Psycho it was uh, Marion Crean's sister. Right. In this it's going to be her, her son. son. Yeah. Um, and Andy Allen. Yeah. Is... Uh, runs into this situation and ends up being the back half of the movie. So how does Nancy Allen get involved in the movie? She is... Wait, this is the murder. Yeah, she's in the building with uh, a quote-unquote friend of hers. A John. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, who, who immediately wants, because they're waiting for the elevator, so when it comes down, um, and Angie Dickens is in it, the dude sees it and immediately books it out of the building. Right. But... Uh, Nancy Allen is... Picks up the murder weapon. Well, she's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she's a state of yeah. shock. And I uh, love the way this is shot as well because it's it's slowed down, kind of like when everybody says like it's happening in slow motion, right. whenever something traumatic or an accident happens, something like that. This is his version of showing that Nancy Allen. It all slows down, and she's taking in this very gruesome scene she's seen mm-hmm. as Angie Dickinson is like reaching for her. She can't believe it. Also, the killer is still in the elevator. That's a great shot. And it, the, the, that the, is a great shot. The whole thing, because then, like, he's waiting on the side. The door's closing. His hands going down with it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. yeah. She sees him in the in the, yeah. the mirror in the corner of the elevator. I mean, and this is that's basically the end of this fifteen minute dialogue free, uh, you know, right. sequence, which is you know all told just by pictures. And like, yeah. this is a short film inside mm-hmm. the movie. And it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get the like the mid movie scene, which is going to change the pivot of all these characters, brings everybody together in the police station. Uh, Nancy Allen, the hooker, is being interviewed by Dennis Franz, the police uh, guy, for like um, you know, or no, he brings in Michael Caine first, the psychiatrist. Yeah. Why? Because Why? Well, because uh, Katie, Kate, 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 Kate was uh, his patient. Yeah. yeah. And so, while well, he believes that maybe the killer may also have been a patient of the mm-hmm. doctor, right. because he has a prejudice against the mentally ill, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, he knows Michael Caine's been also, besides his like regular in-office patients, he helps at the um, what the psych ward, the the mental hospital. Yeah, he Bellevue. Also yeah. Bellevue. Yeah, he also sees patients from there. Yeah. So John, Dennis Prawn's working theory is that one of Michael Caine's patients uh, killed uh, Kate Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also pressuring the uh, hooker, right? Because it's like, well, you had the murder weapon, yeah. you had opportunity. Right. You're telling us that there was this woman in the, you know, yeah. elevator. Your, your only witness disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. The blonde woman you talk about, she's not around. Like. It just all sounds like a story. And yeah. the the son is also here, and he's using his technological know how to basically record and listen in on this conversation. So they all have they all have access to the same information. Yes. So Michael Caine does actually get a call from the murderer. Yes. Yeah. On his voicemail, and the murderer identifies himself herself as Bobby. 
who is a transsexual patient of his, mm-hmm. right? Who says that uh, basically because uh, Dr. Elliot is not helping with uh, getting a sex change operation, right. he, he did not uh, sign off on it. He said, no, this is not happening. Now, question. This is the moment I knew exactly who the killer was. Okay. Anyone All else? Right. No. Anyone else? No, I was an idiot this whole... I mean, like, no. even going by the law, if you have a movie with four people in it... <laughs> right. One of those people. <laughs> I knew exactly oh, who it was right Yeah, unless it's like, oh, fuck, it's a mutant cat on the boat. It's not okay. one of those four people. I know, when, I know when you figured it out. Because I looked at you and said, is it? Is, <laughs> is it five or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I, I was like, I'm like, well, good word, John. <laughs> okay, so what what was it that, uh, that tipped you off? I knew it was clearly a man that was dressing as a woman. He, they said that on the on the right. message. And it was um, obvious. And that, just, saying, that was the yeah. killer. They basically just admitted it. And he did not go to the police. That was it. Yeah, because it's like, why is... Because yeah. that's what I was... You know, I guess you're thinking about it. It's like, what... Is his moral a- obligation if you have a patient who says, I stole your razor, I'm going to do something, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. then it's like this woman ends up dead. It's like, okay, I think that my patient killed this person. Yeah, like, you literally have the evidence on your, I was about to say voice now, but answering machine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get it right, Collins. 1980. Yeah, answering machine. I was like, mm, he's a killer. Well, he plays the movie. Well, I mean, obviously, the, the, the voice on the machine sounds absolutely nothing like my voice. Right, yeah. So that's throwing you off. Um, the uh, he's basically. Oi, you wouldn't give me a sex change, <laughs> and we're gonna have a word about it. And they keep on um, basically. Uh, I lost my train of thought. So. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll, <laughs> like, okay, we'll do that to people. I'm sorry. Well, because I was thinking uh, the, the when you go back and watch the movie, this is actually laid in through the use of mirrors, right? Mm. In the very first scene, whenever uh, Kate says, "You know, would you sleep with me?" He looks in the looks mirror. Up, he looks yeah. up. He looked up into a mirror in that point. Yeah, the one on the wall, the right? Okay, yeah. yeah. And you don't really. I mean, did you read that as not at that moment? Right. Because he's just thinking. Because it takes him a second. He's like, hmm, I got to think about this. So when he's pondering that, he looks into the mirror. The Even though there's a musical sting that like lands right on no, that moment. The fact that he looks in the mirror, like, okay, this is significant. I'm not sure how yet, but it's significant. Mm-hmm. And then when he was listening to the message, his reflection in the glass. The, yeah, like the he backs into it, looks he, at he, the... You see the reflection, like, okay, his reflection, this is something. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, because it ends up, uh, they play fast and loose with this reveal, as far as, yeah. because there's there's an element that the that the Palma hasn't uh, uh, alerted you to, even as you're trying to figure it out, because I think maybe that was the thing that, that threw me off, was that... Um, uh, Nancy Allen at one point is chased by Bobby uh, yeah. through the, the subway station, right? And then when she gets to the end of the subway station, Bobby is there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how the hell did she get there so fast? So it's because they haven't told you. This is a reveal at the end. There's a policewoman who's been tailing her who happens to look exactly like Bobby the killer. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like there were two of them. Yes. It's like, oh, because oh. I'm yes. like, this doesn't check out. I don't. I can't, you know. Yeah. Um, You're thwarting my logic here in the That got yeah. me. The, that did get me. That, I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> that got me. I thought the dude that she had the affair with earlier on looked like the looked like Bobby. Like I I for 
beginning off, I thought that was the guy, the guy in the wig. I'm like, wait, isn't this obvious? Like, isn't it the guy she? I thought oh, he was attacking her. That, was, that my, was my first thought. That oh. was my second. I was like, if I'm wrong about Michael Caine, it's going to be that guy. Yeah, well, yeah. I th- but the, when they didn't follow up on him like that, right? Seems, okay, they're not going with okay, that. Okay, so he was just a throwaway. Right. That's, yeah. That's so dumb. he was yeah. just okay. Yeah. yeah, but Bobby is present at the Met on the stairs, like up close. Yeah. And I don't think that actually is Michael Caine. I think that's why they're also not playing fair. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah, not. It's not. It's I think not it's, it's only Michael like, Caine in the wig in the office. I think he was an actual woman. Uh, no, 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 that's a dude. Is it a dude? That's got to be a dude. I almost think that the woman who we're told is the uh, the the police woman plays is Bobby. I think I, I could be wrong, uh, but I think that's the, her. The glimpses that we got, I'm like, I think that's an actual woman playing that. Even though I knew who it was supposed to be, mm-hmm. like I think it was an actual woman. I'll bet a dollar on it being a man. Okay, I don't know how we're gonna find this out, <laughs> but that no, because that wig, the height, the facial structure looked like a man. It looked like the guy she had just had sex with. From the and they're trying track. to make it look a little bit like, uh, I guess, Michael Caine in passing, but, you know, just... So or at least look. something. Trying to make them look right. off, different, yeah. what have you. So why is Michael Caine the killer in this movie? Uh, he's also... Uh, he's a transsexual. He frustrated in a way. Yeah. He is not... Um, uh, oh, their explanation was... Um, he, he, well, this is why he wants a sex change. Anyone else waiting for the doctor to say, get me the Ghostbusters? Anyone else? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, kinda, <laughs> I was trying to think of a good line. Was he was the mayor. Yeah. He was the mayor. And I was I think, trying to think of a good line to be like, I know who he is. Like, what's a good line for him? The whole movie, I was just like, get me the Ghostbusters. The whole movie. Somebody <laughs> get me the Ghostbusters. <laughs> get him Perfect new out of here. Uh... Well, yeah, but it's more than him just being a transsexual. I think we're talking about like a case of uh, 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 you know, dual personality. Yeah. Right. Like Norman this, Bates. Right. There is like the, the that is what has to do more to do with this than it being uh, transsexual or transgender. Yeah. It is. Yes. He is a dual personality. Can't remember what the other personality is doing. Which I'm like, that's why you know when he goes to see the other doctor. Uh, Which is uh, mind blowing now that I'm looking <laughs> back at this. Like I'm like I gotta watch this scene again. Yeah, so yeah. I will say this this like analysis of being transgender definitely dates this movie. Very much <laughs> so dates the movie. Yes. Something we, we now know that there is not the psychological ramifications that they that they blame on being transgender. Yeah, is not accurate. Well, that, that's well, right. That's why I wanted to make clear that is, <laughs> yeah. it is the dual personalities yeah. causing right. us not being transgender. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. We know that now. Yes. No, because I think they pay some service to there's an old Donahue episode that yeah. comes up that kind of explains like uh, you know transgender or transsexual I guess right. as they were known in the uh, in the eighties. Right. Which works to their benefit because you think he's watching it because he has a patient. Right. But right. he's watching it yeah. for his own information. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because he goes to, this he goes to right. see he goes to see what we find out later. In hindsight, we know is his doctor, right? But the doctor only sees Bobby, and then yeah. this is the first time that he's come as you know his masculine self. Fascinating. And it's like my patient has stolen. You got to do it, what, Michael King. What do you say? Uh, my patient stole my razor. He's I threatened to kick you know, <laughs> I can no, I can do it, Michael King. Okay. That's, that's all I got. That's it. That's why it's the only thing I say. And in the meantime, there is, like, another... Uh, so there again, I could tell by the way the doctor was talking to him. He was talking to him in almost a patronizing manner. I was like, there is a tone to him 
He's not taking him seriously. Yeah. And at this point, when this goes along with when you said he didn't call the police, yep. he doesn't stick around to talk to Bobby. I'm exactly. like, this is yeah. kind of important. Because you're exactly. Why don't, why don't we go right. back to my office and we'll make contact we'll with con- Bobby yeah. or something like that, which yeah, yeah, yeah. is in hindsight, you're like, okay, right. he's going to put him in their hypnosis or something. something. But it's like, <laughs> you just, people get murdered. You just stick around and talk to Bobby. Right. Yeah. does not. Um... Why is everyone so casual about that? <laughs> right? So we don't find out that until the, the, the shocking finale of this movie that it's actually Michael Caine, obviously. You know, astute uh, film watchers would have made guesses earlier. Um, but there's um, there's another uh, long suspense sequence that is done uh, through, the, uh, through the cab chase, the subway. Right. Yeah. Where Nancy Allen... Thinks she's being pursued by Bobby, so she goes down to the New York subway. She tries to take refuge next to these guys who are like standing next to a, a, a listen to music, and then they kind of get aggressive with her. There's this whole like who's getting on the train when she seeks the protection of a police officer who doesn't believe her and leaves, and then of course the guys show up and it's, it's kind of like oh my, this just keeps getting. And then the killer shows well, up, shot well, and then, <laughs> then when they're turning, looking both ways, they look one way, the killer. From the, in the background, hops on the train, then they turn and look that way. Yeah. Well shot. Yeah. Very well. And and I feel like we, have, we haven't really gone over Nancy Allen's character. She, um, okay. She, we, we mentioned that she was, she's a hooker, but she's like, she's like a high-class call girl. Yes. Like making she's, lots of money. She's making lots of money, and she's using that money to, like, make investments in, like, art and, in like, the stock market. And yes. She's not, and she's not a dumb girl. Like, she's. No, this is yeah. uh, this is the uh, same as people who strip to get through to make money because you know right yeah I always find that like characterization kind of disingenuous because I think there's a lot you know it's like this is kind of the, not so much a hooker with the heart of gold but like I I like the portrayal I like the mm-hmm. character but it doesn't really read as like real to right me. yeah <laughs> that seems like the the high it's fantasy. the dream yeah this it's is the, dream. the, the yeah, fantasy right. call girl yes um, yeah. But yeah, so she's trading on the stock market and all that stuff. She's trying to... So her thing, at this moment in the subway, she meets up with the Sun character, the Keith Gordon character, yeah. because he has been following, quote-unquote, Bobby and saves her life from an attack by Bobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they start, like, investigating. And what their goal is to get into the psychiatrist's office and get his appointment book because they think that the killer is one of his patients. Right. right, and they've narrowed it down because the kid has created a, a device. I mean, he set up a camera outside of the doctor's office <laughs> hidden in his it scooter. It looks like a camera obscura. And, yeah, yeah, it does. It really does. It's, you know, it's a camera in a box. The only other thing we need is a big whoosh right? yeah, as it goes off. But they, they're they filming them, uh, the patients, as they come and leave, and they they deduce it down to, well, it must be his last, last patient is the last person to so they leave. see Bobby coming out. Yeah. yeah but they another, don't say that Bobby ever went in. I was going to say, another, another confirmation that I knew that was Michael Caine, because we never see her go in, and he had already said that he hadn't seen or spoken to Bobby. Yeah. yeah. But it was on camera. I was like, well, so Bobby Right. Came yeah. out. And when they, yeah, and when they said, well, and she was the last person, uh-huh. I was like, well, there's a problem. There it is. Okay. There yeah. it is. <laughs> I think I got it. Yeah. So this culminates in a climactic scene where she's going to go in and try and distract Michael Caine so she can get the uh, the book. And he's watching outside. The kid's watching outside to mm-hmm. make sure make sure yeah. she's okay that she, everything's going according to plan at this point. 
She tries to seduce Michael Caine, which turns out to be the wrong thing to do uh, when you're dealing with a schizophrenic. It turns on, turning him on is his trigger. Yeah. Yes, because <laughs> if the uh, male side of his dual personality gets aroused, Bobby does not like that. Right. That because sounds familiar. There's almost like one other movie character uh, that has that same kind of uh, uh, motivation. That would be. Well, it's Norman Bates. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Only Mother didn't like it. Yeah, it's not, it's right, not yeah, like yeah, it. yeah. It's like, uh, okay, Brian. I, yeah, I, yeah. Could, I mean, yeah. I kind of like it because he's, he's synthesizing it, but it's obviously an homage to yeah. Psycho. Uh, is, it, is it plagiarism? I guess is the, the question that critics were wondering with at the time and kind of, I think, didn't give this movie a, its fair shake. Sure, yeah. <laughs> because they're like... <laughs> Ryan, you're just like, what are you doing? And this is yeah. naked. <laughs> naked we can see it, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's, uh... I feel like since he goes more in depth with like the psychological aspect, to me it feels like a different movie. It feels like a different movie. Yeah. Like different movie. I, I wonder if, he, if I had brought it up, if he would even have made the it, connection. It, it, it I don't didn't. know. Yeah, it, no. it didn't. Honestly, like until we st- until you brought it up and we started making the comparison, I didn't really think about it. Yeah, it just feels like a different movie to me. Yeah, because okay. the way, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's also from like two different eras yeah. at this point. Right, yeah. So I mean, he, we've got a different technology, yeah. different yeah. events around, different focus on the eroticism. Yeah. Obviously, yes. you yes, know, yes, there's yes. different fetishes that Alfred Hitchcock and Brian De Palma have. Yes, you know, yeah. um, blondes and chaps. Yeah, blondes and showers. There you go. It, it unites the two men across time. It unites a lot of men, I think. <laughs> it, also unites, it also unites us women in fear. Ah, that's very <laughs> true. Oh, yeah, I forgot we were talking about how, <laughs> how, how we were conditioned for yeah. stuff like this, and then Holly's on the other end going, this is terrifying. Yeah. This is not sexy. Men are conditioned to think like this is sexy. Not us. Uh, <laughs> women we're get attacked terrified. in the showers. Yeah. Yeah. We're attacked in the showers. Yeah. We, we apologize for that Holly has Thank to you. live. I appreciate that. Um, the uh, so the, you know it's revealed that um, uh, Michael Caine is the killer and he shot Mudu. And so then the movie keeps going. Uh, we get the explanation yeah. scene. It yeah, keeps I, going. It does keep yeah. going, and I I thought we were going to be done. And it did it need to keep going? Well, I like the the final like wrap up of uh, the cops and the psychiatrist. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. I love. Yes, that's Solid. great. I like that. Love I needed that. answers. Yeah. yeah, we. Yeah, what we, because, we didn't we should go over the scene. I suppose we need to go over the scene. It feels like it's the last scene you get with your characters, knowing they'll be like those four will be back for the sequel, mm-hmm. and you're like. You're waiting for that scene where at the beginning of the second movie where they get the band back together and like they have to come back together. Like right. this is the end before they break up and go apart. It's like, well, we finally did it. Yeah, we unmasked that monster. I know. Is it? Uh, is it not cheap or disingenuous to like to be like? Yeah, because it's like okay, now we're gonna explain to you why, like why you know right. it's like there was another police woman, right? Who was like the magic, you. or it's like all right, you saw all that. Well, yeah. here, here's what here's actually happened. Yeah. Yes. Well, here's, I mean, we did need that because I needed to know who the fuck that woman was outside the window. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. needed to so know. Actually, fires the shot that right, uh, right. Comes down the Michael Caine character. Uh, the psychiatrist explains this is uh, his psychological state of mind and why he did what he did, and then we get a scene which I thought was played for laughs, which was extremely uh, verbally graphic uh, about how a sex change operation takes place <laughs> right. between... That was kind of funny. 
Also play collab. <laughs> Nancy Allen and Keith Gordon go to lunch. But it was... It felt totally out of place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not... Yeah. Because like, what are these was, two doing? This was not a comedic movie. And this part no. was just hilarious. But it, it shouldn't have been. Like, why? I don't understand. It was very out of place for me. I liked uh-huh. it because it was like... It was a light thing at the end of your movie. Kind of like, uh, you know... It's funny because... She's describing penectomies and yeah. castration right. and all this, like, in, in detail. And there's this horrified, like, pearl-clutching old woman at the table behind them listening to the whole conversation. Yeah. that's yeah. what makes it, you it's know... It's funny. Like, it is it, funny. Oh, no, it's like... She <laughs> looks like... Horrified. She needs to like, fan herself Ooh. down afterwards. I got the vapors. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. And it's shot in such a way. He's using the split diopter for these shots. And I like how he puts... Is the people who are talking are, are um, opposite of what they should be according to the 180 rule on frame. They are hard in the middle while the woman reacting and then the people behind Nancy Allen are featured. Just, yeah. I don't know who the right, other that, one was. That's what's funny to me just in itself because like, there was nothing to notice about them. They were just eating soup. Like, yeah. There was nothing well, to notice well, about was also them. That I, yeah, and I also think, well, that may be because he absolutely wanted to shoot the kids shot right. that way. It but had to be balanced. Had to be balanced. Right, you can't I do it one it. way yeah. and then switch back over to the other side. So we're like, well, we'll just have her eating soup. And it kind of yeah. looked like Angie Dickinson. Which I, really? I I thought in like a different wig. Oh. In like a darker hair. She had a similar look. Yeah. Uh, kind of yeah. similar look. And I was just like, similar he's shape. not putting her back in there for some weird reason. <laughs> kind of looked like her different like hairstyle, but she looked similar. And I was just like, huh. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But then it just keeps going. Then it keeps going. Keeps okay, going. so this is okay. So so Damn, we, we almost it, had it, Brian. There, there are yeah. two more scenes. One of them is uh, we see a, an insane asylum, a sanitarium, yeah. where Michael Caine is interred, and a, a woman, a nurse, bends over him. He strangles her to death to the cheers of all these gathered, yeah. uh, you know, patients on the upper floors, and well, then apparently starts, it's just. A cleared-out office building? Pure like, anarchy and yeah. this, like, yeah. weird... It's shot in a way because, like, I've watched enough Brian De Palma movies that he codes his dream sequences of certain imagery. This one is all foggy, and the, the lights are all pointed directly at the camera. This is also followed up. He keeps this going in the subsequent scene, yes. which is... Uh, he does, because the lights are right there. He yeah. brings the same lights up. It's okay. the same lights and the same foggy shit. Right. You know, like inside, uh, Nancy Allen uh, goes to take a shower. We get an homage maybe to Halloween. There's a steady cam shot that begins outside the house and wanders around the side of the house. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm like... Well, this was the other thing I thought about how, I mean, that you mentioned, because, like, Michael got loose from the wandering insane asylum. Right, yeah. yeah. That was the other thing I was thinking of. But, yeah, it does yeah, I was feel like, like it. where did this movie come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, what are we doing here yeah, now? <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and then we see Nancy Allen's taking a shower, and she sees the, uh, the shoes, the legs of the nurse... Mm-hmm. Which we know is Michael Caine has escaped, and then you know she's. I mean, this is a, a long, yeah, very right. slow long. motion. Uh, you know, suspense sequences like she's naked in the shower. What is she going to defend herself yeah. with? She's looking around the bathroom when she gets out to actually go and you know grab a, a straight razor from the cabinet. A hand comes out and, and slices her neck, and it's like bam. Uh, that was a dream. 
And she wakes up screaming, and Keith Gordon comes in to, you know, comfort her, and the music's going crazy, and then and cut to black. Credits. So, how effective was this? M- unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Totally unnecessary. Yeah, this last part we didn't need. Didn't like I it. I could have just ended at the police station, yep. and it would have been perfectly fine. Yep. Okay. I'm not, a, I guess I am against it, but I'm not, like... I don't hate if, it. Like, it is, it's just it feels had, superfluous. No, if it had been real, sure, I would have been yes. okay with it. But well, the fact that it was a dream, didn't need it. Even if it had been real, I think we, I think we're wearing out our welcome at this point. Like, I think we yeah. dealt with everything we needed to dealt with that felt right with this yeah. movie and this story. Yeah. And going past it, it, like you said, feels like a different movie. Yes, it does. Any way you slice it, it was not needed. I would have, I would have been more accepting of it had it not been a dream. Sure. So these scenes are, uh, you know, I think uh, De Palma maybe have maybe invented this final scene with uh, Carrie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then Friday the Thirteenth obviously ripped that off. I think you know very successfully. Ripped it off, borrowed it, whatever. <laughs> yep. And so this is like, you know, a thing that's happening at this point in time. And so he's doing it again. But my problem with it, I think the reason it doesn't work for me mm-hmm. is the, the, so it's two scenes that basically are part of a dream. But the first scene is not from the perspective of the dreamer. This is what makes it kind of disingenuous, right? Because we're seeing Michael Caine escape from the, Insane Asylum. Yeah. It's like, if you're going to make a, a dream sequence, it has to be like the dreamer is present in their own dream. You know, you're not dreaming about like what the motivation is somebody else, you know, escaping from an asylum. You're, it's your perspective in the, you know, the second part of it. They're like, okay, I get that. But like the fact that you did the two of these, it feels like you're cheating. That's why I don't like it. It's like, you cheated me, Brian. <laughs> Not only is it a dream, but it's a dream that you tricked me because she wouldn't have been, you know, mentally anywhere right. in present right. in the Michael Caine escaping from the asylum scene. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's like, ah, you, ah, you just you stumbled over With it. With that in mind, back Circling to my original thought, whose dream was that in the beginning? Because now we're saying, you know, it's like, was, did was it, the Michael yeah. King character have a, uh, a sexual attraction for Angie Dickinson? And so he's dreaming about, I guess, attacking her he's in the, the shower. attacking her, yeah. He, he could be dreaming about it because he knows the issues between yep. her and her husband. Right. So he can imagine the distance and the longing. It's her longing for him at mm-hmm. that point. Um, and then, so is he the man who comes in and ruins it? Michael Caine? That's... Or his... Not 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 necessarily him, but his... Avatar. Urge, his avatar. Well, his or whatever, urge or whatever, yeah, he, whatever yeah. he's fighting to... that Whatever... What drives him to kill in the movie is this mm-hmm. what is showing up in the dream to rape and kill in I mean, I suppose that, that argument has some weight because, like, we haven't... Like, I don't understand, I guess, from her psychological perspective... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess it's just that she well, wants are, to be. There you are know, like fantasies. Yeah, right? there maybe are. That and I, I, I did consider that. Like she's thinking, I don't want to cheat on my husband. What if someone made me? Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I see, will, that makes me think that maybe then it, it definitively would be her. I'm going with her. Yeah. I think it's her. Think it's her. her. Yeah, especially because we end up because we go with her in the next. Yeah, I'll stick with her. I'll say it's hers. Yeah. 
It's all about the like, point of view. But again, we know that he cheats. That's what Yeah, that's, what, yeah, that's very true. Movie. That's very true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, there it is. to kill. Dress to kill. <laughs> all right, so we're going to go around the room and tell you whether or not we would recommend that you watch this movie. But first of all, we're going to uh, answer some of your mail. And in order to do that, we're going to have to summon the assistance of our mailman. And his name is Igor. Bring us the mail. Masters! Masters, the mail! I've got the mail! So many letters, our followers are rising. Rising. Why, thank you, Igor. Thanks, Igor. You're not gonna, like, talk to him, like, uh... No, I was gonna ask him, uh, <laughs> ask him to help me with my pick for next week, because I just remembered it's my pick. <laughs> <laughs> Igor, any suggestions? <laughs> well, the upside is we have, uh... Oh, shit! I just uh, realized that. Uh, oh, okay. I was looking at our mailbag. We we do know who Bobby is. Okay. So uh, uh, first of all, uh, we want to let you know, or we actually ask that you uh, write in and join our this interactive portion of our show by following along on our social media on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show. On Twitter. At Sat Freak Show. You can email us. Saturday Night Freak Show at Yahoo.com. Or follow along on Instagram at Saturday Night Freak Show. Uh, so, in addition to Brian De Palma being on the Wall of Fame, uh, MF Matt also lets us know that William Finley is on the Wall of Fame because he played the voice of Bobby, but it was uncredited in this movie. Uh, he was also the Phantom of the Paradise, okay. and he was Marco the Magnificent in Sean's favorite movie, the Fun House. <laughs> Why do you love that, that movie, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Larry. Lawrence. I'll call you Lawrence from now on. Nancy Allen is also on the Saturday Night Free Show. We watched three of them. Robocop. Robocop 2. Robocop 2. Robocop 2. All right, Andrew's the kill. All right, about tonight's movie, Dress to Kill, Michael Whitaker says, Ooh, this movie looks like a movie my parents would have sent me to bed for. Not wrong. Not wrong. Bill Van Ryan says, Brian De Palma received some negative remarks from critics for the similarities between his work and the work of Hitchcock. Do you consider Dress to Kill a Hitchcock cover version? And what about this movie would you say is uniquely De Palma? I mean, listen to the St- last yeah, hour yeah. of our podcast. I style think. is definitely diploma. Yeah, the style, sure. the shooting, everything. I mean, the tools he has to to do it are are definitely different. Yeah, than the tone, Hitchcock. the eroticism, like it's, yes, it's diploma. Like there's certain elements of diploma that that are uh, dialed up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It would yeah. say. Because I, I was going to say yeah. even like the voyeurism, but uh, you know, it's fetishized. But I think uh, uh, Hitchcock also does it. Oh, like Hitchcock totally does yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The split diopter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a technique, a little bit of the technique. Uh, Giovanni Regis's life says, it feels like a dry run for the much better body double. The Palma's just really going through the motions here and somehow making psychic, psycho more problematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll discuss that in a little yeah. All right. Apple Leva says, it may be in the vein of Hitchcock, but it's still an effective thriller. Green. Joe LaHoho says, unfortunately, the first time I saw this was with my mom and a friend on HBO. I was 14, and the shower scene was very uncomfortable. Great movie, though. (laughs) I was going to say, how how far did you get? Because this is pretty, like, you... After that first scene, you're like, well, am I going to stick with this with my mom, or am I going <laughs> to bail at this And that point? was probably the R-rated version. Probably. Okay, probably, probably. probably. I'd be like, well, I'm going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even say a word. I'd be up and just Get walking up and upstairs. Like, just the Irish bye. goodbye. 
Uh, no, I'm a small young child of young man. I'd be staying there. Mom, you go to bed. Yeah, I mean, your mom's not sending you to bed. Right, yeah. yeah, no, I would I would hide. I would move myself back from the TV and maybe hide behind, by the side of the couch a little bit yeah. just so they forget I was there. I know, because I have <laughs> giving away my secrets. My son, been, don't listen to this. Well, see, that's what I was going to ask. Like, I've not yet been on that side of it when, you know, the kid is, like, watching something and you're like, oh, shit, I forgot about that scene. Yep. What do you do? How do you react? Oh, I said, I'm just like, cover your eyes. I'll tell you what, <laughs> okay. he's like, okay. All right. Because I've been on the other side of it. I remember those days. <laughs> right, like, oh, right, yeah. yep. Well, uh, you can watch now. <laughs> Sproul, 2176, says, I love it. It was one of the best American Jolly I can remember watching. So there you go. There Everybody's go. making the connection to oh. the Jolly. Yeah. Uh, last week, we watched a movie called Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. Mm-hmm. Pat Hetfield listened to our podcast and said, my favorite is Jason Goes to Hell. So I'm wrong Uh-oh. and proud of it. <laughs> well, Stand your ground, buddy. You Stand your ground. Be proud of it. Uh, Travis Legler says the reason C.J. Graham was hired was due to the original actor looking too big or thick and not like he was rotting away for a few years. Uh, yeah. Little did they know where they would go next. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Simon Carter says all I have to say is gratuitous crunch shots. They really were. Yeah, they were. They really were. Were they gratuitous? They were integral to the plot. I think. There were two of them. I got after the first one. <laughs> I, you know. uh, well, he also says, seriously, though, this is a fun entry to the franchise. Great Jason makeup and some good kills. I really like this version of Tommy Jarvis, too. Yeah, it was fun. Teresa Ann wonders, what were you going to be when you grew up? I think I asked somebody that this week. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to be? When, yeah, uh, from the kids from Friday the 13th, Part 6. Long, tall, shorty says, my absolute favorite Jason. I will never understand the praise that is constantly awarded to Kane Hodder, who starred in three of the absolute worst films in the series. Yeah, but he's a good Jason. Yeah. Like, just his breathing and his movements. Like, yeah, he's just he's a, a good, good Like, we like the other Jasons, too, to lesser degrees, but he's just a yeah, he's a better Jason. Jason. He's a good Jason. Yeah, he's just in, he's in all the bad movies. He really yeah, is. That's best Jason fault. in the, that's <laughs> the first movies. But come on, look at part seven, Jason. Yeah, part seven, Jason. That's pretty cool. Fucking cool, Jason. Uh, RD sixty four one oh nine says, I recommend for you guys since you're watching this that it's another classic from Tom McLaughlin, A Date with an Angel. He wrote it, but the company didn't want to use it at first. But then a split well, when Splash came out, yeah. so they rushed right. to get it made. Uh, after the movie was right. uh, released, yeah, because well, he basically, I think, said it was Splash with an angel. Right. So, yeah. I think we said that. Can we just we call did, it Splash yeah. with yeah, an we angel? we talked about that. Uh, about uh, the prior week's episode was Godzilla 1998. Richard Kratzer said, that's one big pile of fish, Sean, for the win. Oh, yeah. thank you, thank yeah. you. It was. Yeah. Uh, DJ Dog Manfish says, it's like the French soldiers eating gum to look more American wearing berets. Makes you look more like you know what you're talking about. Are you sure? Well, I'm not. I'm not listening <laughs> to someone who's got a beret. I don't know. I mean, you have to. I think the accent makes me sound smarter. The beret is going to make me make fun of you. Yeah, I will not. We were wondering to why there were so many goddamn berets. In there. Right. So many berets. Everyone's wearing them. Knit berets, regular berets. Yeah. Too many berets. Too many berets. Well, Jonathan Holt says, "I'm not going to lie, but for a good part of this episode, I thought, quote unquote, Joe was Sean doing a bit." 
You do sound very much alike. When you listen to that episode back, it's like, oh man, they do sound like there the same person. Some, it didn't help that we both went into a Schwarzenegger impersonation at some point together. <laughs> so we were really, yeah, probably confusing the audience at that point. Joe's yeah. very real. Sean's very real. I both, I love them both dearly. That's right. We brought in <laughs> our, no proof of this. our Godzilla <laughs> expert uh, for that episode. Okay, so now we're going to go around the... Uh, oh, and thank you very much, everybody, for writing in. We're going to oh, go yes, around, thank you. Yeah, around thank the table you. and uh, give you our thoughts on tonight's movie, Dress to Kill, starting with... Sean. We go first. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know the uh, work of Brian De Palma very well. I'm just now like starting to get into it. I borrowed a couple movies from Colin. I'm watching this tonight. Um, so I want to explore more... Um, I mean, based on this tonight, like, I think I had good reason to explore more. I like this movie. Um, I think it's shot great. Like, I think this is a, a, a beautiful movie to watch. There are certain scenes in this that are also just beautiful in what they accomplished. Like we said, there's a mini movie in the middle of this, a mini silent film. Um, again, we talked about how the, uh, the language for transgender people is obviously dated in this movie. But I don't think... I think that's a a small thing to get past in this movie. They don't make it a big... They don't make it problematic, I don't think. Like, I mean, it is, obviously. It's 1980, and it is obviously not the way we think anymore. Um, but it's not their, like... I don't think it's their, like, sticking point in this movie. I don't know. Um, but I did like it. I think it's, uh... They don't, they don't make it seem like they're shaming him for being transgender. It's just they're... Right. They're talking about how, like, his mental capacities couldn't handle that, that's, the inner struggle. Right, that is through. the focus yeah. of it. Which I, I, I like. I like that they yeah. weren't blaming him for that. Right. Yeah, because yeah, oh. even at the end, the uh, uh, Keith Gordon character is more intrigued by the idea right. Right. than, you know. Right. right. Um, and so, uh, I mean, this is, we, I mean, we've been lamenting the uh, movies for adults. Instead of saying adult movies, let's say that. Movies for adults. <laughs> Movies for grown-ups. And, I, th- I mean, this is that movie. It's one of the movies we've been looking for. I mean, it's sexy, which is, you know, always uh, fine with me. Uh, it looks great. I think the acting's great. Like, I had fun with, uh, even though he's a fucking asshole, Dennis Franz is like a fucking New York cop. I mean, that I mean so much so as to look at what his career has been. He's an asshole, but it's, like, comedic. It is. Yeah. And, he, and he comes off a little, uh, the, they shave off some of the edges in the last scene where they're all together. It's like, well... I didn't think he killed her, but we had to keep it going so you yeah. could lead me to some certain things, which is, it's, it's tricky, but I mean, it's... Um, what do you think I'm crude? All right, who you fucking? Yeah. <laughs> who you fucking? Yeah. It's, that was great. Yeah, it's, there's, some, there's some really good stuff in this. Nancy Allen's doing really great. Like, um, I haven't seen much of her younger in roles. I think she's really good. Golden Globe nominated for this she role. She was dating Brian DePaul. Was she? Ah, yeah. uh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> um, she, did, she did great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she did great. Yeah, she did great. Uh, like, that's fine. Yeah. She did great, so we'll give it to her. Um, but yeah, I, I think the acting's really good in this. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, I don't know the difference between this and the unrated. I'll just say go with the unrated, because that's what we watched tonight. <laughs> and it is a much, much sexier Pino. Uh, Pino. Pino. Uh, much sexier movie. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was good. Uh, I'm going to give it a, a full uh, full recommend. Dress to Kill, Brian DePaul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I honestly had no idea what we were getting into. None. Which no, which is probably idea. the best yeah, way. I didn't, I, I didn't watch a trailer. Yeah. I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't read anything anyone yeah. wrote in. I knew nothing about this movie. So I think that's that's a good way to go into it. Um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. This was this had me hooked. I was I was yeah. into this movie. How like, long is this? 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at yeah, it. Whatever it is, it didn't hours. feel like it. 105 like, minutes didn't feel like it. Okay. Like, like at one point, I was like, okay, this is kind of long, but I'm okay with it. Like, I'm, I'm into this movie. I'm into the thriller. And he takes his time, and that yeah. may be the reason. Like, there are slower moments, but he also yeah. just takes his time with the regular moments, and I like, like that. Yes, everything is is breathes intentional. You know, with sexy breathing. Yeah. I, yeah. And you know, obviously, there was lots of talk about uh, about Hitchcock and whether he's ripping them off or not. I'm like, nowadays everything is is derived from something, and I feel like when there's a certain level of artistry to it, I don't look at it as like a copycat anymore. You know, I don't look at it as like if it's total shit and you're just like, there's no skill behind it, then yeah, I'd be like, well, you're just fucking ripping off Hitchcock. But this, there's like actual skill behind it. There's there's intention behind the shots, and there's there's it's thought out, and I, I don't see it as a ripoff. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's very clearly De Palma, even if it's a borrowed narrative, you know. Um, and I like his interpretation, you know. Maybe I think that's what a lot of a lot of film is. It's it, maybe you are borrowing from someone else, but you're interpreting what you got from them. And I think that's what this is, and I think it's really I, I love this. I thought it was great. It was a pleasant, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. Mm-hmm. It was a good one. Um, definitely in a, a grown-up movie. Yeah. Grown-up theme. I love me an erotic thriller. So, yeah, I'm going to give it two thumbs up. Definitely recommend. You should watch Dress Kill. And I agree with Sean. We watched the unrated. Yeah. So that's what you should watch. Two, two erect thumbs up. <laughs> two erect thumbs up. Very much so. That doesn't tell you to watch it on the movie. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm surprised. I really don't know if I have a whole lot to add. I mean, you know, you guys have pretty much summed it up. I think uh, I, I'm I'm kind of surprised that it feels like the awareness of this movie isn't as high as I expected it would be. Yeah. I think this is, you know, it's like there's Carrie and there's Dress to Kill, you know, in that area of uh, uh, Brian De Palma's I career. Think the material may have tamped it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, what it, the subject matter it deals with. Probably yeah. It, yeah. 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 it censors it. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like to its audiences, I mean. Like, I think Carrie is more widely watched because the content is more accepted. Right. And we're Does that also, make sense? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we're also not trying to get telekinetic people in like into our like right yeah you know what I'm saying right. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah shit I forgot he did the fury right before this uh, <laughs> there's also telekinetic people somebody blows up real good at the end of that Ooh, movie nice um, and Kirk Douglas is in that movie um, uh, the uh, yeah I mean I think uh, you know I mean I've, I've been moaning about this on several past podcasts it's like I don't that think they a make a uh, choice of words right is the right choice be moaning be moaning be moaning there you go that's yeah. good yeah. moaning about the, the lack of uh, you know like <laughs> movies for adults I think and you know uh, uh, not only in the amount of you know that it's about you know uh, sex drives and you know and then it, it involves uh, nudity but it's there's like you have to be an adult, I think, in a lot of ways, like understand uh, some of the complexities of the motives. Yes, uh, that I think is like you know that you know uh, right now that's catnip to me. You know, like, <laughs> give me a movie that like I understand that oh these are human beings doing you know even no matter how messy that you know uh, is like give me recognizable human beings. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anybody, like, I mean, I would, I guess, say that, you know, he, uh, De Palma, 
to me, was the progeny of Hitchcock. Is he ripping them off? I don't know. It feels like these are the movies that Hitchcock would make, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in that era. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, because, you know, they shared, like I said before, I think that the two guys share similar interests, um, and they're using a similar language. I think, yeah, De Palma is a better filmmaker than Dario Argento. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's not a, a necessarily slight. I mean, those are like the two guys. There's Hitchcock, Brian De Palma, Dario Argento, right? Yeah. If you're into that kind of mm-hmm. uh, filmmaking. Um, I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, I can't undersell how much I thought that Angie Dickinson's performance, even though she's in, you know, uh, a, a small amount of the movie, is like really fine tuned where you yeah. imagine that like the conversations that had to happen between director and actor in those scenes were extremely specific and dialed in. I mean, it's like it, it like that's a great performance, mm-hmm. I think. And it's a lot of it's wordless, you yeah. know, but I yeah. know what she's feeling. At every like shot, and she and yeah. it's changing. You know, there's dynamics, there's character dynamics happening there. See the complexity. Yeah. The reason you're like, I don't know what she's feeling is because she doesn't know what she's feeling. Yeah, but yeah. you you get that yeah. sense even. I mean, it's like really, uh, it's really like a, a tour de force. I think you know, in like a director's career, uh, that's like a that is a great uh, a sequence, yeah. and I think. You know, when I was going back and rewatching a bunch of Hitchcock movies, the scene that it most reminded me of was there's a similar. Well, no, it's not even similar, but uh, Jimmy Stewart's going after Pat uh, Novak in a in Vertigo mm-hmm. through like a garden. The garden think, scene, yeah, the yeah. garden scene, and I'm like, is that the inspiration for the? Probably. You know, <laughs> it, you know, yeah. it, it turns out different and all that stuff, but there's like you right. know the camera movements and stuff like that. I was like, yeah. oh, this is like you know. Um, so, um, and I'm just going to say Wes Craven was influenced for Scream 2, and that's it. I'm just going to claim that right now, just for that one scene in the, in the booth. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, I mean, that's in the, but those are, these are, this is the language of, of cinematic suspense, you know? Yeah. And, uh, there's some people who do it, well, Brian De Palma is one of the best. Does it very well. Uh, yeah. and I think Dress to Kill is one of, uh, the crowning achievements in his, like, what, 40 your career, and I think uh, definitely uh, you have to check it out. Uh, that's, a, I guess, a, a, a freak show recommended yeah. all around. Yep. You have to watch. Have to. That's the rules. That's the rule. You gotta watch Dress to Kill. So now, uh, we're gonna tell you the next week we're gonna watch a movie that's chosen by Sean. What are we watching next week? Well, we're gonna, we're gonna go classy again. Okay. And by that I mean not at all. Alright. <laughs> there it is. Uh, we're gonna be watching Eight-Legged Freaks. Spider-Man. All right. <laughs> Giant Spider. Giant Spiders. Next You know, I have it on the last uh, Spider movie that we watched. What was the last Spider movie? We Arachnophobia. No, it wasn't. Was it? The Kingdom of the Spiders. Oh, fuck. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Give me a hammer nails. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Eight-Legged Freaks is next week on Saturday Night Freak Show. We hope you'll join us. And until then, ladies and germs, the basement is going dark. <laughs>